we are the descendants of 40 million people who left other countries, other familiar scenes, to come here to the United States to build a new life. I think it is not a burden, but a privilege. Welcome to Statutes of Liberty, an immigration podcast brought to you by Classical Immigration Law Partners. My name is Anu Nair. I'm a partner here at Clasco Immigration Law Partners. Today we're going to be talking about the rise in the India EB-5 market. And so I have with me two associates on our team, Dev Patel and Karuna Simbek. Hello. So as I mentioned at the outset, we're starting to see a huge rise in Indian investors um, who are interested in EB-5. And there's a lot of different reasons for this rise in Indian investors. Um, so I'm going to turn to you guys. What are you seeing as the historical reasons why you see Indian investors who are interested in EB-5 and relocating to the United States? Um, from what I've seen, I think it's very similar to what our Chinese investors struggle with is what's going on in their home countries. You're dealing with pollution. You're dealing with corruption. Um, you're dealing with, you know, um, maybe... Um, the school systems and the college systems not being as good as they used to. And so they want to provide a better future for their children. Um, their children, some of them are already here on F1 uh, visas. Um, and so they've seen, you know, what it can be like to live and work here. And um, so it seems like they're going back and encouraging their parents um, that this is the route to go. I don't know what you've seen, Dev. Um, is it similar? Is it different? No, I would completely agree with, uh, especially the educational routes. Though there are good universities in both China and India, the population and the number of schools available obviously do not match at times. And the U.S. definitely offers many universities for these individuals to go to. And like you said, a lot of these individuals are already here in the United States and are looking to continue to stay here. And though they do have employment opportunities here, EB-5 might be a quicker avenue to actually become a permanent resident in the U.S. Right, and to, to echo what they were all saying, what Karuna and Dev were saying right now, um, that's why my parents moved to the United States, right? So um, they had two daughters, and they said, let's move to the U.S., even though they had a very comfortable life there. The quality of life for middle-class Indians is completely different than the quality of life for middle-class Americans. We... Um, it wasn't uncommon for a middle class to have drivers, to um, to have cooks, and it, so the quality of life is seen as significantly more cushy than the middle class life here. But the opportunities for children are going to be substantially limited in, in a lot of ways, and especially when you're talking about India in the 1980s, um, with two daughters, my parents were like, all right, the best option for them to have the most... Um, a chance of success is going to be relocating to the U.S. And I'd like to think my parents made the right decision because here I am as an attorney and my sister has a Ph.D. and is in med school. So it's definitely um, opportunity and seeking opportunity that brought them here. Now, in the last couple of years, though, we've seen a different push factor um, for not just relocating to the U.S., but specifically using EB-5 as a vehicle of relocating to the U.S., now, what do you see as the reasons for this um, for this push towards EB-5 as opposed to just maybe doing an H-1B or an EB-3 or an EB-1? Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
you know, those the H-1B route um, was very popular. And because of its popularity, um, there's it's oversubscribed. It's been oversubscribed in the last few years. So um, it's not necessary that you will get um, get into H one. You will get an H one B visa, but even if you get an H one B visa, you still need an employer to sponsor you for a green card. Um, not a lot of uh, employers want to do that. So these um, individuals have to look to different routes. Um, so you know that that's why I see an increase in the H one B applicants who may already have. Um, applications, green card applications, spending through their employers still want to do EB-5 because there also is a significant backlog in the EB-2 and EB-3 categories. You're looking at maybe 10 or 15 years for them to get a green card through their employers. Um, that's, that's, that's my take on that. No, I, I think that's a, a great point. Um, and this is something that our firm always mentions where you can have a scientist who the government has indicated through an approval that what they're doing is in the national interest of, of the United States, and they still have to wait 10, 12, 13 years to relate, relocate to the U.S. So for a lot of them, they're just getting tired of waiting, and so EB-5 is a better opportunity. Deb, I know you've been working quite a bit on H-1B, and you recently uh, put out a podcast about your, what you're seeing in changes in H-1B policy. How do you see that as driving investors towards EB-5? Well, it's definitely more difficult for both the employer and employees in having an H-1B petition approval. Not only do you have the numbers working against you, but now you have policy and potential changes in regulations that are going to cause increase in adjudication times and delayed approvals. So not only can you maybe not start in October, you may be having issues all the way up to the next year, potentially. There's just significant hurdles um, based on recent changes to get H-1B approvals. Right. So how about we talk about um, the lack of deference now for H-1B petitions. Can you talk a little about what that means for someone, let's say, who already has an H-1B? What, what, how does that impact their, their outlook on the next H-1B? Sure. The adjudicators these days are being pushed to actually send out RFPs on issues that they may have let go, especially on an H-1B petition that had been approved in the past. So even an amendment or an extension petition is pretty much treated as a brand new petition at this time, which leads to RFPs on topics that were never discussed before. And for some individuals, these are second or third time around, and they're receiving RFPs they've never seen before. Um, is this also um, in the context of uh, individuals who have approved I-140s and are getting extensions based on those? Yes, it's, it's similar to those as well. The fact that the I-140 has been approved does not necessarily help anyone's H-1B petition or extension. So all the more reason to have a backup plan just in case USCIS policies um, change drastically or, you know, there's a change in the individual's um, Employment circumstances, could, yeah. yeah, circumstances could change. And that's what I'm seeing also. We have a number of H-1B employees who have indicated, look, I'm perfectly happy uh, staying with my employer and there's no real reason for me to move. But because of the lack of deference so that if I have a previous H-1B petition, have been on the same H-1B, just getting it renewed every few years for the last six, seven, eight years or so, 
um, have an I-140 approval, that they are no longer guaranteed that their H-1B is going to be continued to be approved. So they don't want to take that risk because then if their H-1B is denied, they now all of a sudden have to pack up and leave or find very quick alternate routes um, to stay in the United States. So a lot of the EB-5 investors that I've been seeing over the last six months or so have been precisely, they have H-1B status, they have an I-140 pending, they either just don't want to wait the time anymore or they're getting nervous about what it means for lack of deference in previous H-1B approvals. And so one of the other things that I'm noticing with my investors is they're looking at alternate routes, right? Not just H-1B, not just EB-3, EB-2. We're seeing a lot of um, increase in EB-1s also. Doctors are getting nervous that their petitions are taking 10 years or so before a visa becomes current for them. So now they're looking at EB-1s as an alternate option. And EB-1 doctors, as I'm sure listeners of an immigration podcast probably know, um, it's very difficult to obtain. So we're going to have a podcast that's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks where um, our EB-1 team kind of talks through the hurdle of going through an EB-1 process and what it takes to put together an EB-1 process. But that's something that I'm seeing where Indians are also looking at EB-5 and EB-1 as the two alternate options for EB-2 and 3, which is just delayed. So currently there isn't a backlog for um, EB-5 and EB-1 for for applicants with the country of birth of India which is such a huge advantage because, like you said, EB-2, EB-3, you're looking at 10, 15 years, and, you know, well, that's the current estimate. You don't know how that changes. Um, So that's a huge advantage. Um, For EB-5 specifically, uh, while USCIS is currently taking about two years to adjudicate petitions, um, these folks are looking at getting a green card within two and a half years, which is so, um, so significant. So one of the things that I always get asked when I'm doing a consult with an H-1B is, am I allowed to have an EB-5 petition pending at the same time as an H-1B petition? Or what the other question I get asked is, I already have an I-140 petition pending. Can I have an EB-5 petition pending at the same time as an I-140 petition? Uh, that answer is definitely yes. And we have had multiple clients that are going through that route, either for themselves or maybe their spouse is here on an H-4 and they're filing a 526. Or there, there isn't anything to prevent you from filing multiple immigration petitions. Both can proceed simultaneously, whichever yields a green card first. That's right. You, you can have multiple immigration immigrant petitions pending at the same time, but once you've decided to file for a green card, you can only file under one specific one. Now, the I-140 petitions for Indians for priority dates to become current for EB-2, let's say, taking 10 plus years. Mm -hmm. So unless you've already been pending for eight, nine years, your EB-5 petition is going to be approved and you can file almost immediately um, after approval for your adjustment application. So in that scenario, um, I've never seen a situation where someone's chosen an EB-2 after an EB-5 approval, but both can go simultaneously. And once you've once you're eligible to file for a green card, you can only choose one petition under which to file for a green card. And, um, Dev, you were starting to mention that H-1B also is a dual-intent visa? Yes, uh, it is a dual-intent visa, which means that these individuals, you know, have the intent of remaining in, potentially remaining in the U.S. in the future. So, as H-1B employees here in the U.S., they can file immigrant visas, such as the 526. And as you stated before, you can try to find out which one can lead to a green card faster, yes. 
So one of the other things that we're starting to see is that we have Indians, um, Indian investors, not only coming from India, but Indian investors from the Middle East, from Singapore, from Canada, who are relocating to the U.S. Do you guys have some insight on why Indians who are already um, relocated to other countries now want to relocate to the United States? I think the Middle East probably is the easiest to explain is because a lot of these investors like to run their own businesses. Uh, when you're in the Middle East, you can't really own a business on your own. You have to partner up with someone who's local. Um, so, you know, there, there's lots of rules and uh, restrictions on what they can and cannot do. So the Middle East is easy to explain. But I think even countries like Singapore, Hong Kong, Canada, I think they just, you know, it's just this American dream. Um, I, it's a je ne sais quoi. So um, I don't, um, but also it's the universities, the schools, the opportunities, um, all of that, uh, that, that package deal, I think is very, um, uh, is what appealing to, is, yeah. is appealing to investors. No, I agree. Yeah. I think it all relates back to their children and allowing their children to come to the U.S., for both universities and to, in the future, actually be employed here without having issues and doing non-immigrant visas and going through that path. I think one of the other things that's made a change for uh, Indian EB-5 investors um, is their source of funds. Um, I feel like it's their... Um, it's a cleaner source of funds now, especially with the H one B. I'm not so sure. <laughs> I would like to differ. Um, so when we were at our seminar, uh, our EB five seminar last year, I remember you uh, mentioning, um, you know, clean sources of funds, and I thought that was a unicorn. Like you're right. the only one who ever saw that because all I saw were really messy Indian cases. But just the last two cases that I did back to back were bankers. Right. Um, and their source of funds was just amazingly clean. So I think, you know, that also um, gives a certain comfort level to the investor that they have a, a source of funds that is approvable. It's not complicated. It doesn't require them to sell property or, um, you know, take loans because that's the one thing that Indian investors don't like doing. Yeah. Taking loans. Okay. I think that is a really great podcast series really? and so we'll definitely be discussing Indian sources of funds and you can hear us debate whether or not we think Indians have clean sources of funds uh, but definitely stay tuned and thank you all for listening for more information visit us at classicallaw.com follow us on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn you can email your immigration questions to podcast at classicallaw.com podcast does not constitute direct legal advice and is for informational purposes only. An attorney-client relationship is not presumed or intended by receipt or review of this presentation. The information provided should never replace informed counsel when specific immigration-related guidance is needed.